It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody could ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. It's all presented by the New York Lottery. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. It's all part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. We will get to your calls a little bit later in the show, but as always, on Thursdays before home games, we welcome in Super Bowl champion and former Giants quarterback, Phil Sims on the Sims Spotlight, which is presented by Bigelow T. Phil, good to talk to you as always. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Phil. Guys, good to be on the show. Paul, John, and uh, look forward to talking a little bit. And I hope everything's going well with you. Yeah, we're doing great, Phil. And let's just look back at that Cowboys game. The Giants very competitive. Uh, a, a great 425 game on CBS last week that all of us enjoyed. What was your overall take on the game and the Giants' performance? Uh, yeah, listen, a lot of good things happened in the game. I thought they played hard once again. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, many things I could talk about. I thought the offense showed more variety, more formations, uh, using Daniel Jones, getting him out of the pocket on true rollouts, shifting. You know what they did? Of course, it's hard not to. They copied some of the stuff that the Cleveland Browns did when they just ravaged the Cowboys' defense. But the Cleveland Browns, or ahead of the New York Giants. So uh, that, that was a good thing that they did do all this stuff to help Daniel Jones. But uh, the Cowboy defense, after getting shredded, of course, they were fired up to play, do all those things. They did play better on the defensive side. And the one guy for them that really stood out is the linebacker, Jalen Smith, to me. He, he and D- Demarcus Lawrence were both great and if I'd say anything, those two, of course, Andy Dalton, that was something else, but those two really played well to cause the Giants' offense some problems. You know, Phil, one thing that, that I really liked a, a little bit more, I think Devontae Freeman, as he continues to grow in terms of his role within this offense, is going to be a big help to them. I just think he's very gritty the way he runs, and, and he doesn't go down very easily. And, and I would suspect he's going to have a bigger and bigger role, especially starting this week against Washington, no? Yeah, oh, I would think so. I, I, I talked about this uh, it was last week, I guess. Uh, I love the way he runs, of course, and I said it. I saw him in Atlanta, and I just said, Mike, I'm shocked that he's still in the league because he ran so hard that you just can't sustain it. But, he, hey, look, he knows that to stay in, to be part of the Giants, this is the way he's got to run, and it, it is good. And, and I'll say it once again like last week. Three-yard runs are important. Two-yard runs are important. Losing two is a killer for an offense. And the other thing is, too, the offensive line, it's, it's been together now, and they're working together. And, you, you know, you just, you just want to see more. You want to see them become a unit and be one that has a chance to really make a big difference in the game instead of just playing like, okay, it's a little better or whatever. But, no, it's got to go up to where they play really well. And they give the receivers, Daniel Jones, Devontae Freeman, Wayne Gallman, whoever, a better chance to have success. Yeah, Phil, I think you make a really good point. And I think they're getting their identity a little bit in the run game. We're seeing more pulling guards, more gap scheme, yes. you know, uh, maybe less zone scheme inside, outside. I think you're taking advantage of guys like Will Hernandez who are better, you know, going downhill and, and running with power. 
But in in terms of protecting the passer, I think the Giants were pressured on like two-thirds of their snaps. It was the highest rate in the NFL last week. Uh, as you mentioned, I thought the Cowboys' ends kind of had their way a little bit with the Giants' tackles. What kind of progress have you seen in terms of pass protection, specifically from Andrew Thomas over there on the left side, the Giants' rookie first-round pick? Well, he's had his moments, uh, but, you know, he struggled big time against Demarcus Lawrence. And, uh, look, it's a lot thrown at you. You know, this, it's inside. When, when you're worried about your young guy, left tackle, and you're playing a guy like Demarcus Lawrence, you're always worried about him going around the outside. And, you know, listen, I've listened to offensive line coaches and head coaches, even during my career, talk about, you know, I was always standing there when they were teaching the linemen. And, but I, I understand when you're worried about speed to the outside, what really happens all the time when you get fooled and they bull rush you, can you readjust and still stand in there and stop it, which is that's really the mark of a great uh, tackle in the NFL. And he's getting better at it. But I, I would think overall, as I'm watching Jedrick Wills down with the Cleveland Browns, I look, they got a good offensive line. They run the ball great. And, and you know, that all helps. So it's making his play look better. Right. You know, I don't watch the Cleveland Browns and go, oh, they're rookie left tackle struggling because they can, their offensive line across the board is good. They got tremendous running backs. The scheme is good. And you said something that caught my attention. Pulling, man-to-man blocking, getting better angles. You know, in the NFL, you just can't line up and say, I'm going to whoop you over there on the other side. You, like I always say, you need help. And sometimes pulling, you catch guys a little off balance, you get a better angle, and you can knock them out of the hole and help your running backs. Phil, we saw Darius Slayton have a really nice rookie season, but already now he's got two 100-yard games, comes off a really dynamite performance against the Cowboys. It's quite clear to me that that he's starting to ascend to that next level. I mean, I think he's somebody the Giants can count on, no? Uh, Yes, I think so. I think it's the... Oh, we're, we we caught something here with the fifth round draft pick, and he's no. Now the expectations have risen. Well, you, now I expect to see this, and, and we're going to see it. Look, he he catches your eye when you watch the game, and of course, the Cowboys got quite a few guys that catch your eye running down the field. But Darius Slayton, by and far, without question, is the guy for the New York Giants, and it's it's an epidemic around the league that all these receivers in the last couple of years, not drafted, drafted late, or whatever, Preston Williams, I'm just watching the Miami Dolphins. He wasn't even drafted. He was a free agent, got hurt last year. And they, I remember hearing about him in training camp. And I watch him, and I can't tell the difference between him and Devontae Parker, their big star. <laughs> so, so Darius Slayton, you know, teams, running backs, wide receivers, I've never seen anything like it overall around the whole league where – I'm almost surprised when I look at a team and say, well, they don't have three really good receivers. You know, if you don't have – it's like everybody's got three – most teams, I should say, not everybody. But so many teams have three top-notch receivers, Mm -hmm. and a lot of teams have two and three top-notch running backs, too. All right, Phil, this is my last question before we get some of the questions submitted by fans. One thing I'd like to see more in the offense is, is maybe getting the ball to some of these receivers in motion so they can get some more run after the catch, whether it's you know Golden Tate or Evan Ingram. Do you think the Giants' inability to do that has to do more with the fact that you know perhaps maybe the offensive line isn't protecting long enough, uh, other teams are playing zones, and generally, as you know, against zones you want to sit down in the holes rather than catch the ball on the move. Why do you think the Giants have been unable to kind of hit these guys in stride to get some bigger plays on yards after the catch? Well, you know, I think you said two things. One, of course, pass protection is always the number one thing. 
But two, even in zones, yes, a lot of hookups and stuff like that, which they do a lot of. But, you know, you still run through zones. And even though a team's playing zone, you could still run by them across the field many ways. I just see, uh, as I watch, you know, I try to watch every game every week. I'm a little behind this week, which I'm a little neurotic, so that bothers me. But, but I just see, <laughs> but I'm just watching the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, there's zones being played, and they're finding ways to maybe make corners or whatever hesitate. And then somebody runs by them in a corner route or whatever. And they're just throwing, they're throwing five and six and seven, and maybe you know, eight deep balls a game, and they're hitting a lot of them. And they're it's because of against zones. It's just because they it's what they are. They do it a lot. They have the talent. And that offensive line, for just to give you an example, for Miami, they've played three rookie offensive linemen at times this year, and they're doing a good job. And Fitzpatrick is probably having a career year for him how he's playing. But so hooking up, but you could still run through zones and catch the ball and keep running. Uh, but I haven't seen a lot of that from the Giants. All right, I want to get to a couple of the fan questions here, Phil. We got a couple on Daniel Jones. Didn't run as much last week after a couple games of scrambling with the football and running a little bit. Did you see the Cowboys do something differently in terms of preventing him from running, or was it, frankly, the fact that the Cowboys just don't cover very well and Daniel Jones had a chance to throw the ball more than in other past weeks? Well, that, that's a good one. Yes, he could pass the football, and uh, when he had time, you know, that it was it was looking pretty good. But the the Cowboy defense does have some speed on it, and when he did think about maybe even running, it was too late. Uh, the, it everything broke down. So the running, it, it's not by accident. But you know, you have to catch a team playing man coverage, and the uh, defensive line is way out of position. You take off, and nobody sees you. That's why he had all the running yards the week before, a lot of it, and why he didn't get it against the Cowboys. I mean, a couple times, you know, even on the sack, fumble, and touchdown. And I think he was going to try to escape, but, man, Demarcus Lawrence hit him so fast from behind, you know, <laughs> that, that stopped the run. So um, that's, that's a great thing that he has in his, his back pocket. And the big runs for quarterbacks, they, they spread him out last week, which I thought was pretty good. But the big thing for quarterbacks running and passing situations, it usually is straight ahead, and then they get a chance to run down the field while everybody's trying to cover somebody and make those big yards. Phil, we've got one that goes right to the heart of, of something that is in your past. A Molten Centra 81 says to us, uh, do you think the struggles of Daniel Jones is paralysis by analysis? Should Joe Judge tell Daniel Jones what Bill Parcells told you in 86? I don't care if you throw four interceptions, go out there, sling it, and be the quarterback you know you can be. <laughs> well, it wasn't four. He said, I don't, if you don't throw two Sims, you're not trying hard enough. And, and I said, don't worry, Coach, I can take care of that. And, uh, but, but it was his way of relieving pressure. I do not see that with Daniel Jones. I see his eyes going from one receiver to the next, you know, as good as you want from an NFL quarterback. He was trained that way at Duke. He had to play that way at Duke. He was always under pressure, took a lot of punishment, and he had to go from one guy to the next and make those throws under pressure. And really, that's what he's doing with the Giants. His eyes do not get stuck on a receiver. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's a common little theme that people go to, these cliches. I'm not getting on the, the, the question, but I, I would say it if he was. But I've watched, I watched every play and every throw he's made. He is not a guy that gets stuck on one receiver. He can find the next one as quick as anybody. 
All right, let's go to uh, at Honeywell Jason film. We kind of mentioned the O-line already. Who is the most talented quarterback you've seen not be as successful as they could have been due to their team's inability to protect them? Uh, the questioner says his is Jim Everett, had all the physical gifts but was seeing ghosts at the end of his career. How about you? Well, yeah, Jim Everett was seeing ghosts maybe at the end of his career because he was down in New Orleans and just getting destroyed. <laughs> and and I remember watching him down there, and I thought, boy, Jim Everett is really, um, what's the, I'm trying to be say the right word here, just buckling up, knowing he was going to take a beating. He showed great courage down there. Now, sometimes when he was with L.A., yeah, he was a little skittish in the pocket, but he, he remedied that. But, guys, uh, Matt Ryan's played under great pressure and done it over the last couple years. Deshaun Watson did it. That's another one, another one that comes to my mind. And, and you know, Ryan Tannehill down in Miami and even still with the Tennessee Titans. When he gets pressure, it doesn't bother. But he's a veteran now. He knows. But probably the number one guy that did not get great protection, and we all know him well, is Randall Cunningham. He made a lot of unbelievable plays where their offensive line blocked nobody. So... He was one that could overcome a really bad offensive line and still make a lot of big plays. How about David Carr, Phil? That's someone we bring up a lot on this show who really got into the league. I think he got sacked 70 times his rookie year. You know, 76. first overall pick. Yeah. He didn't have much of a shot either, huh? No, no, he did not have a good – no. I remember watching – they won their opening game that year, if you remember, against the Cowboys. And it was a miracle that they won. And – and he took – it was – I was like, oh, my gosh. If I was his father, I'd be like – I wouldn't have watched the game because it was really wicked. And, yes, that, that was – you know, I always say this. When you get beat up as a quarterback and you say, oh, it ruins your career, you know, I, I, I don't believe that because if you get beat up and that ruins your career, then you weren't the guy. And, you know, you're, you're going to – everybody's going to go through, hey – Joe Burrow, welcome to the NFL, big guy. Yeah, I mean, it point. happened last week. Did he take a beating? I was like watching the game going, stop throwing the ball. It's over. <laughs> Carson Wentz, my gosh, Carson Wentz is getting beat. I, I'm serious. It's almost scary watching him, what he's doing in games. There is just no way you can survive by taking the hits, uh, all those hits. and. Um, but it's in the blood sometimes. Stand in there and, and you know, go down, go down with every play. And I think when you do that, all those hits sooner or later wear you out, affects your play, and of course your risk for injury goes way up. You know, Phil. Before I give you the last Twitter question that we have, I can't help but tell you that as I was watching the Redskins game last Sunday, oh, poor Alex, Alex Smith, Smith. Got, oh, boy. he was getting pummeled, and I just kept saying every time they crushed him, please get up. I mean, you had a feel for this guy. Well, I did. Um, two things. He's playing against the Rams, um, which is always a bad situation. It's not <laughs> just Aaron Donald. It's other guys. And Aaron Donald, is he's hes fighting to become maybe the best player, defensive player in history. I mean, I know Lawrence Taylor. Listen, I Giant fans are go crazy over that. I'm just saying he is on a pace. If it stays up, I've never seen anybody like it. And But to go back to Alex Smith, uh, he gets in, you know, I saw the documentary, and I really had mixed emotions about watching him play, just going, oh, my gosh. And that, I was like, he was like my son. I was like, oh, man, get up and whatever. And then, then it was pouring rain. So, I mean, it was the worst of everything you could ever think of. But he hung in there, and you could see that he's healthy. 
And, of course, he wouldn't be put on that field if the doctors, everybody, the family, him, and the team, everybody was on agreement that he could withstand the, the hits on that right leg. Hey, Paul, you know what? Um, I have an idea. Why don't we save our last two questions for next week? I feel like they're evergreen. We can certainly ask those next week. Yep. Um, I want to touch. Phil's got to get to more film anyway. Yes, he does. Quick, uh, Phil, <laughs> Phil, very quickly, uh, Paul will get you a question on the game this week, but you mentioned Alex Smith. We also saw the Dak Prescott injury last week. What was your reaction to that, and how do you think the Cowboys will try to survive now with Andy Dalton as their quarterback? Well, yeah, well, listen, Dak Prescott is one of the guys I said, man, you couldn't hurt him no matter what because he's built like a dang linebacker or a pulling guard. I mean, he just, no hit has ever phased him, got unfortunate, so it was really sad to see. But I'll just say this, the Cowboys expect it to be a good football team. And quite honestly, I expect them to be a good football team this year too. So what did they do? They went out and bought insurance, and that's what they got at Andy Dalton. They bought some insurance in case they lost – their starting quarterback, you saw that he came in and played well. That's a pretty easy position to be in. Now he's got to line up, play the whole game. It's a different situation. So we'll see how he does. But Andy Dalton was a very capable, had some great moments with the Bengals. So I, I think he'll do well. Listen, the offensive line's not what we used to see, but the receiving core is truly, it's off the charts. And and uh, it's not only the starters, it's the, a backup or two, the tight end, Schultz, he, I like him. So... I think they'll find a way to maybe slow the game down a little bit, not put all the pressure on Andy Dalton, and he'll thrive pretty well. Phil, you still have a couple of seconds or no? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay, well, let me ask you then. We Flip it back a question ago. We're talking about Alex Smith getting hammered by the Rams front. The Redskins' offensive line is kind of suspect, obviously, as well. Your thoughts on the Giants' front seven going up against the Redskins on Sunday? Uh, the Giants run seven to go yeah. against the – well, I would think, you know, that, that it looks like I'm not sure who's going to start at quarterback. I don't think it's a given yet, right? Is Kyle Allen – No, they, they haven't said gonna... it for sure, but uh, Rivera has said like that will be. it yeah. would be Allen if he can. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, the first thing that caught me with Kyle Allen watching him play a little bit was he, like, got a little bigger and then a little faster – and actually, you know, it's early, but I just thought, oh, the ball's coming out of his hand better than it did in Carolina. But the Giants should be able to pressure. The Washington Reds, uh-oh, the Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> I've been good. I've never slipped up on that. that was a, but they got a couple good players, and then it's, 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 then it's got some Band-Aids. That's just the best way to say it. Yeah. So the Giants are getting better once again last week. The two big guys, I think, are being more active. Tomlinson and, oh, my gosh, Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. Almost yep. forgot his name. They're getting more active. B.J. Hill, they're get, you can see it. I swear, I'm watching them and going, they look more mobile, and they're getting better, and they keep improving. And, you know, um, so I think they should be able to uh, pressure the quarterback and have some success. And, hey, listen, there's a team that the Giants can beat, another one. Washington is a team they match up well against. And I think they should have some success. Well, Phil, final question. I want to flip it over. You talked about the Giants front against the Redskins offensive line. Well, you talked about Carson Wentz getting pummeled. I watched that Redskins-Eagles game in, in preparation for this week. And, boy, the Redskins pummeled Carson Wentz in that game. They were all over him the whole contest. So how do you think this Giants offensive line will hold up against the Redskins defensive front? And then the same question I ask every week. Just give me a feel for this game. Is this like a first-to-20 type of situation? How do you think the flow of this game is going to go? Uh, yeah, I would say first to twenty is is a, a good answer right there. I do, and then when you when you look at the Washington defensive front, it's just not that it's good. It's got everything: power, speed, 
uh, that. And I'm not sure about Chase Young. What is the word? I haven't seen the injury report. Is he is he out? No, he. You know, he he played last week after missing a game with the groin, so I think he should be good to go this week. Oh, he is good to go. Okay, well, good. That, uh, listen, Chase Young loved him at Ohio State. When I saw him the first couple games of the year, I went, "Oh my gosh, he looks like a monster. He looks bigger in the pros than he did in college." <laughs> but they 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 have great inside players. Uh, Montez Sweat has, I, I think, been a little surprised. He's he's a. Um, uh, a weapon, I guess, for their defensive front. This is going to be a tough test for the Giants' offensive line. And the good thing is uh, maybe quick passes, stuff like that. And like you said, too, just be more aggressive in the run game and let Devontae Freeman, Gallman, hey, take it straight ahead and do the best you can. And th- this will be interesting. But Washington's defense, it's that front has saved them. You know, they're, they're ranked pretty high in the league because of that defensive front. And that defensive front, of course, makes it tough to pass. So what does that add up to? The Giants got to find a way to have some success running the football, that's for sure. Phil, great stuff. We'll talk to you in two weeks when the Giants get ready to take on the Buccaneers. Be well, Phil. Okay, man. Oh, Tom Brady. (laughs) Um, Brady, 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 Brady. Oh, my gosh. Tom Brady. Did you know he's going to have to risk it there's no biscuit? I mean, all these catchphrases. I thought if I hear uh, risk it, no biscuit one more time, I'm going to smash my TV. Thank God everybody quit saying that. So I thought I'd just bring it up real quick. <laughs> well, Phil, I'll make sure that's my first okay. question for you in two weeks. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank, Thank you so Take much. Take care. Thank okay. you, Phil. Good stuff. That's Phil Sims, Super Bowl champion, former Giants quarterback. Does a great job. That was the Sims Spotlight brought to you by Bigelow T. T. Proudly. Uh, Paul, Phil, always fantastic, as always. And I thought, you know, we have other calls on the line. I want to get to you quickly. Uh, but just quickly on this game, Paul, before we get to those calls. Yeah. I think you hit it. I, I think the two things we asked Phil about will kind of determine how this games go, right? Will the Giants be able to take advantage of specifically the left side of that Redskins offensive line with, with Geron Christian? Geron Christian? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Wes, I think Martin is the left guard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Those guys have not played well this year. Uh, no. Bra- Brandon Sheriff's coming back. He will be good at right guard. Morgan Moses is a solid right tackle. And Chase Roulier is okay at center. But that left side of the line is a problem for them. Can the Giants take advantage of that? And, the, and on the other side, if there's one thing that can blow this game up, Paul, one thing, it's the Redskins' defensive front. They can yes. single-handedly win this game for the for the Washington, and I'm happy Phil did it first because now I did it, so that's two for two. Uh, the one thing that could blow this up is is Washington's defensive front. And look, they're going to get pressure, they're going to get sacks, but you just can't let them force turnovers and wreck the game. You know, in some ways, John, this is my favorite game on the schedule because it's all going to be determined in the trenches. And for how many years since you've known me, I always talk about the trenches first. Well, it is quite clear. The team that wins the trenches on Sunday, it has never been more than clear, is going to win this game. Case closed. Shut the door. The horse is out of the barn. It doesn't matter. If you don't win the trenches, you're not winning Sunday. It's just that simple. There's no magic. There's no smoke and mirrors that's going to allow you to overcome it. You have to win the trenches on Sunday or your team is ruined. 
Giants fans get a new New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, you're listening to Big Blue Kickoff Live. The phone banks are open, though they're full right now at 201-939-4513. And Big Blue Kickoff Live is, of course, brought to you by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. So let's go to the phones. We've had some callers that were holding on throughout that interview. So let's get to them. CJ in the Bronx will lead us off today on line three. What's up, CJ? Good afternoon, guys. How are you? I'm I'm calling because is it just me or we don't adjust well during the games when it comes to our run game? Because on Sunday, it looked like the power run, power man run, however you want to say it, it was working. And then they adjusted, and it took us maybe another quarter, maybe three drives just to get back for positive yards in the run game. Is it me or we just we go with one plan and we don't adjust after that? Well, well, CJ, honestly, I mean, I, I think they they stuck with the with the power run game for that entire game. I think they ran. I, I looked at PFF's metrics. I think they ran one zone run the entire game last week against Dallas, and earlier in the year. They were a much more heavy zone team. That's when they had a lot of trouble running the football. In the last two weeks, they've gone more to the power game, which seems to have worked better with this offensive line group. So I think that's why they've made that adjustment. And if I was them, I wouldn't have gone away from that power run game either because while the run game wasn't, of course, record-breaking or awe-inspiring against Dallas, it was still much better than it was earlier in the year. If that's the case, can we put Goldman in more? Because Goldman, let's be serious, that's what he is. He's, he's a very strong guy that can go straight forward. Side to side was never his thing, even in Clemson. That's yeah, it, but guys. you know what? Here, no, thank you, thing. CJ. Appreciate the call. Good stuff. If you look at Goldman and you look at Freeman, okay, Goldman has a little bit more quickness to his cuts. All right? You're right. He's not a fancy razzle-dazzle kind of back. But he does have a little bit more acceleration and explosion and quicks than Freeman has. So I understand what they're thinking. They're thinking that Freeman's the primary guy and Goldman is more of the change of pace guy. I totally understand that. And quite honestly, if the Giants offensive line is going to establish the attitude that Judge and Colombo have outlined for it, which is tough, physical, smash mouth, well, that's the kind of gritty football that Devontae Freeman plays. True, but I also think Goldman does get downhill a little bit quicker and is a little bit more decisive on some of his runs, Paul. I, like, if they wanted to split the carries half and half between the two guys, I would not have a problem with that. Personally. I don't think they want to do that because I think Freeman is one of those rhythm runter, runners. I think Freeman is a guy who gets better and better the more he touches the ball. And to be frank with you, I think that's one of the reasons why as they slowly work him in, I expect to see him become more and more of the primary guy because when he gets up to those 15 carries, 16, 17 carries a game, I think that's when he's going to be his most effective. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Big Ed in Maryland. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Big Ed? Hey, what's up, guys? Hi. My man John and Paulie D. What's happening, guys? What's going on? Good to hear from you. We're good, man. Oh, man, it's great to always hear from you guys, man, especially at a time like this. It's so good. <laughs> I'm going to say it, man. Um, I was so pleased. I was starting to be excited, but I knew we had another half to play. So it kind of made me feel like, okay, what are we going to do in the second half? I mean, we played a good game. 
played it all the way through, but it's like, okay, what are we going to do to get over the hump? I love the trick plays. We have to be more aggressive. I do see that. Um, I definitely feel like we're going to get our first win with the Redskins just that way. The only thing is we just can't, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot. Yeah, Big Ed, you hit it. You hit it. Look, and that's the thing. I will let you finish, but I just want to I want to emphasize your point because I think you're right on right on the money here. Yes, this is a game the Giants certainly can win, but the it, the way the Giants are right now, they have to play well to win. I don't care who they're playing. If they don't play well, which is to your point, shoot themselves in the foot. That's that's not playing well. They can lose to anybody. The same way they can win. So you're right. It's a game they can win, but they still have to play well to do it. Exactly. And then, Paulie, I mean. Here's the thing, guys. Like we played a great game. I only two games I saw out of the season that we didn't play well, and that was Pittsburgh and the 49ers. Every other game we've been right in it. So it's really coming down to a point. It's not about effort now. That's the good news. Playing better as a team. That's really good news. Now you got to take those certain chances at the end because I felt like. With the last, for us getting the ball last, we should have went right down the field, kicked the field goal to win the game. It was ours to lose. And for us not to go forward on fourth and 10 really determined the game. And that made it seem to be shown we have to take a certain chance, whoa, especially whoa. at the end. Because what? that's how Parcells won. He took chances. Uh, that's how you win in the game. Well, Big Ed, I want to what? be clear. When, when did you want the Giants to go for it on 4th and 10? I'm trying to think about that. On their final drive? When yeah, they the a... last possession. Oh, no. The you last can't... possession. We had one minute left. Big Ed, it's – Big Ed. Yeah. It's a tie game. Yeah. It's a tie game. Yeah, you got to go for no. it. Baby. You gotta go for it. No, 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 Big Ed, I love you, but you can't do it there. Look, if you're trailing by three, hells yeah, you go for it, of course. But when it's a tie game, right. if you don't make it there, you're giving Dallas the ball on your own 39-yard line. Game over. Game set no, match. You can't. You, can't. you can't do that. You can't do that. Thank well, you, Big Ed. I know. I know. All right, fellas. We got to run, pal. Thank you. Good stuff. I appreciate being aggressive. And, Paul, you know me. I'm always more in favor of going forth than, than you are, generally speaking. I'm yes, more aggressive in that say. regard. But, uh, no. <laughs> not there. Sorry. No. No. Not at all. I, you, know, you know what did bother me about the Giants' last drive in Dallas? Uh, when it came down to it and they had their last five snaps and, and you know, they weren't able to do anything with it, uh, look at the duress that Daniel Jones was under on yeah. each of those plays on that last series for as as well as they did during earlier portions of the game where they had momentary breakdowns, you know, perhaps one breakdown on, on several different series. This entire series was a breakdown. And that, to me, was was very problematic because he just had no opportunity to even complete, you know, well, they had the one completion out of the five snaps, but there was no way they were going to get anything else done because the the Dallas pressure on that final drive just overcame him. And, uh, you know, that disappointed me because I'm thinking to myself, you know, the O-line for for the better part of the game, not all game, but for the better part of the game, did a decent enough job to give him a chance. 
they didn't give him much of a chance at the end of the game. You know, Paul, and I think those goes back, and this is more of a philosophical deal to what Phil said when he was talking about the Browns, right? And how, you know, maybe Jedrick Wills looks better because of the way uh, Stefanski runs that offense, right? You have a lot of play action, movement, misdirection. You just don't have that many straight dropbacks, right? In that yep. system. It's the same way the Rams play. It's the same way the 49ers play. You know, they just don't do a lot of straight dropbacks, right? And you can protect your offensive line that way. Well, I, I think the pattern, I'll use that word, you saw against the Cowboys this week is something we saw last year, too, at the ends of games. Remember yes. at the end of that Buck game? How Daniel no Jones couldn't get the ball off because he was getting pressured? Well, no why do you think that is? The reason that is, and that was a rhetorical question, is <laughs> I got you. You know that as a defense, the Giants are going to throw the football, right? Now, you could argue they could have actually ran it once or twice during that drive. That's fine. I can understand that. But you're still in a, a primarily a passing situation, right? They had a long way to go. Yes, correct. So you know the other team's in pass mode, and – you can bring out your corner blitzes. You can bring out your delayed blitzes. You can bring out those two or three plays that you haven't shown on tape before that you can unveil in these big situations at the end of games because you're not worried about play action. You're not worried about the run. And I think that gives this Giants offensive line issues, and I think it goes to the other side of the ball too, right? When other teams at the end of these games, and this has been a habit the other way, when the Giants know another team is passing, they have not been able to muster a pass rush, right? Other teams have been able to protect their quarterbacks, generally speaking. And I think when you get into those true passing situations, and I think we're seeing that on third down on defense too earlier in the year, that kind of reveals what your passing offense and pass defense is. Because both teams know what the other team is going to do, and then you just got to figure out which team's better at it. And yeah. in those situations, offense and defense this year, and I think a reason why they're coming up short in some of these close games, especially at the end of games, is that when teams are in pass modes, the Giants on offense because of their pass protection, on defense because of their lack of pass rush and inexperienced secondary, they're coming up on the you know, shorter end of the stick in those situations. Yeah, in effect, and I don't do this very often, but in effect, if you can draw a parallel to hockey, it's kind of like when one of the teams is on a power play. And really, that's what it is. When, when you are in obvious passing mode, the other team's defensive line is on a power play and vice versa. Sure. And, and, and it's one thing to say, okay, you know, we scored, uh, outscored the other team when we were five on five, you know, four to two. But what happened in those power play situations? Well, that is, those are the key situations that often tilt the scale in the other direction. Well, that's kind of what you're talking about in a, in a similar vein, John. And I don't think there's any doubt that that is a very, very key focal point as to how the Giants need to get over the hump. I, I would also add one other thing, though, about, about Andrew Thomas. And we know he's taken a lot of heat because there are some mathematical wizards out there who, uh, you know, want to put grades on him and, and are, are, you know, doing what they want to do. And, Paul, FYI, do have that Garrett cut on Thomas. If you want me to play that before or after your point, it's up to you. It's your call. Right after. Okay. Right after. Yep. Yeah. Because I talked to an offensive, a veteran offensive line coach who played a lot of years in this league this week, and I asked him flat out, how much have you seen of Andrew Thomas? He said, well, I've seen quite a bit. I said, and what do you think? He said, I think he's a rookie. And I said, okay, because, you know, he's getting really hammered pretty hard 
by, by the general media and certainly the fans in New York, and I don't think it's justified. I said, what I see is my biggest, my biggest concern with him right now is that there are inconsistencies. And why is inconsistency different than poor play? Poor play means you haven't shown any semblance of a high level of play, that you continuously get beat all the time and never rise to the occasion at any time against any of the premier guys. And that's not true because if you look at these games, oh, yeah, did did Lawrence give him a tough time on a number of snaps where he got pressures and he got the one fumble-causing sack? Absolutely. But if you go back and you look at that game, there will also be games where Thomas absolutely stoned him and didn't give him an inch. And so it's inconsistency right now that has beleaguered the rookie. So anyway, the, 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 the guy said to me, he goes, I think you've got it down because I see too many plays where he's kicking people's butts to believe that he's not playing well. It's just a matter of how many times does he have an issue during the game. It's those inconsistencies you're talking about, and people don't care. If it's three times, well, that's three times too many. They expect them to be perfect right out of the box, and that's just not the way it's going to be. The consistency will come. The kid has what it takes. I, I leave that to you as uh, a lead-in to Jason Garrett. Yeah, no problem. Look, he has what it takes. I agree. He has the talent. But, look, the execution hasn't been there down and down out like you want it to be early in his career. And it's okay to admit that. That's fine. And you hope it gets better. But, you know, th- that is what it is when you when you got a young offensive tackle uh, in the league and people that want to punt on him now and say, oh, it's a terrible pick. I think all of you are being a little premature on that. I think Mark Colombo, and I'll get to the Garrett cut in a second, but I want to preface it by what Mark Colombo said on Tuesday, Paul. He made the point that one of the big issues that, that he thinks Thomas is having is that he's so concerned about getting beat outside. And especially, yeah. by the way, when you get beat outside by Demarcus Lawrence early in the game and it turns into a sack fumble touchdown, you're going to be even more leery about getting beat no outside doubt. that he's oversetting a little bit and that's allowing, and Phil made this point too, right? You're oversetting, yep. you're worried about the speed rush, then you get hit with the power because you're back, you know, you're 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 doing your kick out and you're trying to worry about the speed, then you get bull rushed or you get that counter spin inside. So that's kind of been what's getting him. He's worrying about getting beat outside, so he's actually getting beat inside, which is a cardinal sin for offensive linemen. So Shona Harris said this on the Rewind podcast on Monday that he has the feet and the length to protect against speed rushers. He has that in him, so he doesn't have to overset. Yeah, the coach in- told me the same thing about his feet. He loves his feet. Right, so he, he's, he's good enough to, to, to win outside against these speed rushers, but he has to believe he can do that, so he doesn't overset, which leads to some of these other issues. And Paul, I know you, you made the point over and over again that he's still working on getting that consistent punch as well. When he gets that punch, he's great. He just doesn't get it all the time. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt. And remember, and I I brought this up to you yesterday when I saw you at the facility, when we had his offensive line coach on the program shortly after the draft, and I said to him, if you could stay with him for another year or two, what would you still like to teach him as he gets into the NFL? And he said flat out, the punch, because we didn't teach that here at Georgia. It's not one of the techniques that we use, and it's something he's going to need to use in the NFL, but because we didn't teach it, he's now going to have to learn it from scratch. Well, guess what? It's a big deal in the NFL, and he's having to learn it from scratch. That's not his fault. 
Now, again, folks, again, there's a chance he never learns all this technique stuff and he doesn't get better, in which case that's a big problem. And we'll be the first ones to tell you that. But to, to expect you know all the answers after just five games is asking for a little bit much. Anyway, uh, Jason Garrett addresses that and more today when he was asked about Andrew Thomas and how he's played this year. He gave almost, this is one of the longest answers I think Paul he's ever given. It's almost two minutes. So let's take a listen when mm-hmm. Jason Garrett was asked about Andrew Thomas. You know, Andrew has faced really the elite rushers of the NFL uh, in his first five games. If you think about the guys in Pittsburgh and you go see Mack and Quinn in Chicago, you know, the guys in San Francisco, they're a little banged up, but still pretty stout, you know, up front. Um, the Rams, obviously the best defensive lineman in football. They got really good uh, defensive ends that he had to block in that game. And then, you know, you go to Dallas and, and you're and you're going against, you know, uh, you know, two really, really elite defensive linemen, you know, playing and play out and Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith. So he's, he's certainly gotten his indoctrination in the National Football League by playing against really, really good players. And that's really the nature of his position. And, you know, the biggest challenge that he'll have and that all offensive tackles of this league have is you're not always going to win. You know, the other guys are good too. They're going to have success pushing the pocket, getting around the quarterback. And you just got to keep coming back and learn from the experiences and, you know, I think about a guy like Tyron Smith who we had in Dallas. And uh, when we first got him there, you know, he was going against DeMarcus Ware in practice every day. And uh, to be honest with you, right at the start, he didn't do very well. Uh, DeMarcus Ware really got after him. But, you know, as it went along in training camp and as it went along when they competed against each other, you know, Tyron started to win some. Then he started to win some more of them. And then they were back and forth, and it was 50-50. Then he started to win more than half. You know, so that's really what these guys have to do. They have to keep battling, keep learning from their experiences, you know, be mentally tough, be physically tough, you know, technically become better and, and you'll and, and you'll and you'll grow and, and improve as a player over time. But there's no question it's one of the most challenging positions in football to block these elite rushers every week. Andrew's done a nice job so far. He's gonna get better and better as we go. And by the way, Paul, it doesn't get easier. And <laughs> Jason Gary made this point that <laughs> That's the nature of the position. Uh, so just the fact that he's played all these good edge rushers, well, he's, he's about to play some better ones because he's got Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who have both been very good this year. Then he's got the Eagles with their 18 million pass rushers that are going to come in and out of there, Brandon Graham, whoever. They have a million guys that rush the passer. Then you have last year's NFL sack leader in Shaquille Barrett. So it's not, it's not going to get any easier here over the next five games against those three teams. No, I don't think so. And I think we need to clarify, too, John, because we spent an awful lot of time at the Combine and going into the draft talking about how Thomas was probably the most pro-ready of the tackles who were going to be drafted high in the first round. Well, that was actually true in terms of most estimations by his physical skills, his growth, in terms of physical growth, in terms of his maturity, his mental maturity, number and his of snaps, makeup. Number of snaps, too. Number of snaps that he played at a very big-time program, right? I mean, Georgia, that's about as big as it gets, okay? And and the style of offense that he played, and the fact that he also played both tackle positions left and right. So, yes, out of all the guys, I still hold true to that. He was the most pro-ready coming out. Now, what has happened since every one of these rookies got into their camps? Well, now at that point, there is a now race to accelerate their development to become even better and better and, and get to the point where they are not just rookies, but now they are seasoned pros. And that race potentially 
has been won. We're only five games in, so I don't want to necessarily make a, a full-bloodied blo- statement here. But after five games, it looks like the other rookies have accelerated and kind of moved ahead in that race at this point. That doesn't mean that Thomas won't catch them or pass them by the time we get to December or by the time we get to next September. And I think people need to understand that. It's just a different phase of the development. And obviously during the training camp period, uh, such as it was, uh, the other tackles seem to take to it a little bit quicker. That does not in any way, shape, or form mean Thomas was not as advertised when he was drafted. All right, let's get back to the phones at 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Make sure you get out there and play. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. He's been holding the longest. Jeff, what's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing great. Hi. I, uh, I, you know, you are talking about uh, Gallman and Freeman earlier. Uh, in my opinion, I, I'd like to see Gallman be getting a lot more touches than his, uh, he has been getting. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the coach is seeing of Freeman, but I'm not a big fan of his. Um, number two, um, whatever happened to the uh, the seam pass with uh, Eric and you know Eric Engram running the seam pass, you know, getting behind the linebackers that can't cover him, and doing things of that nature. Uh, I, I haven't seen too much of that this year. Well, Jeff, for and, one, uh, well, 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 Jeff, real quick, I'll answer yeah. that, and um, okay. uh, yeah. then you can move on to your next question. Uh, last yeah. week they actually had Evan Ingram down the seam on a play, but you know. Uh, Daniel Jones happened to get sacked on that play, and he couldn't unload the ball to him. So they ran the play. It was there, but but Jones got sacked. That was one specific play that I remember off the top of my head. But that, that was one of the reasons I asked Phil. I'm not sure if you're listening to the interview with Sims. And I kind of asked him about whether or not they can try to get these the ball to these guys on the move a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that they can try to do with Ingram more is get it to him on the move. But I will say this, too. Okay. The, the Giants' opponents have gone out of their way not to play a lot of man-to-man against the Giants. Now, the Cowboys played more last week, which is a little bit different. So Ingram hasn't had a lot of those opportunities one-on-one against linebackers that maybe he would have against some heavy man teams. Okay, well, that's a good explanation for that. But uh, now how about uh, Shepard? Uh, what's the story with Shepard? Do you think he might play this week or anytime soon? Coach said he was going to look at him today and then kind of make more of a decision on how they were going to proceed. I mean, I will tell you the other day uh, he was out there on Friday going into last weekend's game, jogging lightly with the trainers during the open media portion of practice, which said to me that he's obviously getting close. And then Tyke Tolbert, the wide receivers coach, said on Tuesday he was getting very close. So I would think if not this weekend, probably another weekend. Now, you you would think, though. i got to think the Eagles, he's got a good chance. Yeah, you would would think, Paul, that if he was going to play this week, he probably would have been... In all likelihood. In practice yesterday. And then the problem is next In all likelihood. The problem is that next week's a short week too, right? So I know. So he doesn't have many days yeah. next week to get ready for that game. He doesn't. He yeah. doesn't. But I would, I would think that that game is probably in play. That doesn't mean he's going to, to be there. Okay, let me put it this way. If, Paul, if I made you rate right now, most likely scenario, Shepard plays first game versus Washington, Philly, or Tampa, what would you put your fake Monopoly money on? Um, I'd, I'd would want to see him running full speed in a practice first before I put my monopoly money on anything. That's why I think it'll be Tampa. And that makes sense. Because, because, I don't think that's out of the question. Because by the way, the team's probably not going to have a full speed, full speed practice next week. Heading no, into yeah, you're probably, probably not. right. They probably, they probably won't. 
But that that yeah, doesn't yeah, that doesn't mean he, he still can't run full speed in in you know just drills even. Hundred percent. Problem is that's I true. haven't seen him run full speed. Period. Right. That's the problem. <laughs> no, yeah, that's a good point. Okay, uh, one other question: This kid, the linebacker we just signed uh, to the practice squad, is he uh, just a special teams guy? Uh, does he bring anything? Uh, Trent Harris. Yeah. You know, I think I think what, what you got to remember about the Giants right now Thank is you, that. They are trying every way they possibly can to see whatever incremental improvements they can find along the roster. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the guy's going to be a significant part of the rotation. It just simply means that, you know what, we'll bring him in, we'll give him a shot, we'll let him work out in practice and see if there's anything he can offer. Well. Now, Judge knows him from New England. Kevin uh, uh, Patrick Graham knows him from the Miami Dolphins days last year. He's he's you know been a fringe player who can do practice squad stuff, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, let's see, yesterday was it yesterday, John? Did we hear from uh, from Judge? When he said that he did some edge rushing stuff that kind of caught his eye. Yeah, and Paul, that, 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 that's the point I was going to make. The Giants need edge rushers. You know, they, they have two guys on IR now at that position, so they need guys with experience, you know, to help supplement Golden and Fackrell. Yeah, I mean, look. Look who they have now. They got Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, who are both rookies, Neither special are, teamers. I don't think either's played a defensive snap this year. No, no. Now, now Brown caught Patrick Graham's eye. He told us earlier today that he's really liked the aggressiveness that Brown has shown on special teams. But that doesn't mean he can take a defensive snap. I mean, at least Harris has been in two NFL camps, you know, which gives him a slight edge in experience over the rookies. Well, and, and he also knows but, Patrick Graham's system, which helps, yes. too. Yes, yes. So maybe that's a guy that you can quickly get up here and give some snaps if you're not comfortable giving – Defensive I, I, snaps to because look, like I said, this I don't think I was on with you, Paul. I was on with whoever I was on with on Tuesday, and I made the point, and, and it's a fair one. Look, even if Fackrell and Golden play seventy-five to eighty percent of the snaps, right, each, which I think mm-hmm. is realistic, right, given the the injuries at the position, you're still yeah. looking at forty percent of the snaps that somebody else needs to take. Oh, I know. So who's I that going to be? <laughs> we'll find out. Well, it, they, look, they uh, they 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 have a bunch of guys. And as I said to you the other day, I think, or maybe it was on with Lance, it could be anybody. It could be Brunson. It could be Crowder. It could be Downs. You know, it could be it could be Coughlin. It could be Brown. The, the, the truth of the matter is that the Giants staff has done a really good job, okay, of rotating these players in different packages and matchups without advertising it. Yeah. I mean, none of us had any idea that Colbert was going to be starting at safety three weeks ago. No, you're right. None of us had any idea that Ryan Lewis, and as of today, he has seized the starting corner spot opposite Bradbury. Now, he may not keep it for long. Who knows? But right now, he's the guy. Would anybody have thought that two weeks ago? Do you want the Patrick Grant coming on Ryan Lewis real quick? Why not? Here we go. And I'm looking forward to this week of practice. You know, we had a pretty good, extensive, you know, day yesterday, and he was grinding it out, but, like, I thought Ryan Lou did a good job for us. And, you know, it's always, you know, we always say it's day-to-day with the competition, but Ryan Ryan did a good job on Sunday for us. And, you know, um, I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. Today will be the first real competitive day, to be honest with you, Jordan. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I want everybody just, you know, I want everybody on edge a little bit to, to have competing for their spot. But I think Ryan did a good job on Sunday. 
that's about as close as a coach will say he's the starter without actually saying he's the he's the starter. Yep. So yep. they're impre- now look, they don't put Ryan Lewis out on islands playing man on man coverage now either. They ask him to do what he's able to do and, and cover three and, and things of that nature. But what they've asked him to do, he hasn't been beaten. I mean, there's a, you know Gallup did nothing until that final catch. And by the way, the catch before that was on Bradbury. It was not on Ryan Lewis, despite mm-hmm. the question that got asked to him. Um, people should probably watch the games before they ask those questions. Um, but, um, you know, other than that, Mar-Mari Cooper did very little during the game. So Lewis has, has done what they've asked him to do, and, and and he's played well. Now, we'll see if that continues. One game's one game, and one and a half games, right. one and a half games, whatever. But so far, so good. Yeah, and quite honestly, he had position on Gallup. I mean, it was a heck of a catch and a heck of a throw. And as Coach Graham also said, they get paid too. Yep. Uh, I will say this about Harris, just to leave that topic uh, off the, the caller's question, and that is, in the Giants situation, to roll the dice and bring a guy in on a practice squad shot, basically it's almost as if you're bringing him in on a training camp tryout because he comes in, he goes to the practice squad, you get him in there for a couple of weeks, and if he shows something that makes him worthy of giving him a, a shot to get some reps in a game, and you catch lightning in a bottle, what have you got to lose? Yeah, remember, that they have that five-day waiting period now, so they must have brought him in last week when they knew they were going to put Zimenez. They did, last Friday. Right, because that's when they knew Zimenez was going on injured reserve. So that was Correct. even done before the Lorenzo Carter injury, just FYI. You know the funny part about all of this? Yeah, real So quick. many people ignore the practice squad, John. Just remember this. Cameron Wake was on the Giants practice squad many, many, many years ago and was there for a couple of weeks didn't show anything on the practice squad. They released him. He wound up going to Canada, showed something up in Canada, and then came back to the NFL and wound up becoming a star with the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, don't just sneeze off these practice squad guys. If you can catch lightning in a bottle, there's nothing wrong with that. 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff 5 is presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. we got two callers left on the line. We'll get to both of you before we say goodbye. we got to be out of one. Let's go to Jamal in Dallas. He's up next. Hey, Jamal. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing great, Hi. Jamal. What's on your mind today? Um, so two things. First thing I want to talk about, Andrew Thomas. You already discussed about him earlier. Sure. Go ahead. And correct me if I'm wrong. When he came out of Georgia, was he a left a left tackle or a right tackle? Played his, both. His freshman year at Georgia, he played right tackle. And then his sophomore and junior seasons, he started at left tackle. Okay. So he came out a year earlier. Okay. So, so he played both. I wonder if it's, you know was right tackle a better fit for him than left tackle, even though he played left tackle his last two years in school, but I don't know. Um, yeah, Jamal, it's funny. You know. It's funny you bring that up because I've seen some other, you know, you know, giant, you know, fan sites and stuff bring that up. Oh, you should have eased him in at right tackle. Ease him in at right tackle. By the way, t- time out. Week one, would you rather have him face Bud Dupree or T.J. Watt? Because if he's playing right tackle, he's playing T.J. Watt. And then last week, Demarcus Lawrence is on the left side, going against the right tackle more than he is on. The right side going against the left tackle. So I don't and by the way, and against the 49ers, would you rather have him face Eric Armstead or Kerry Hyder? Because Eric Armstead plays over the right tackle, not and Kerry Hyder played over the left tackle. Right. So there is right. no there, right. there there is no such thing and Cle- and Khalil Mack plays both sides. So there is no such thing as easing somebody in an offensive tackle. If you're an offensive tackle, you're on an island and that's it. I don't care what side you're playing now. This isn't the eighties anymore. Right. Left tackle and right tackle, same difficulty. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Right. No, no, you're good. No, thank, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, the matchups on both sides are going to be difficult uh, regardless, especially this week coming up. You got my taste sweat on one side and you got Chase Young on another. So yep. either way, you, you can't hide them. Um, 
So yesterday, I wish Lance won. I wanted to get on Lance a little bit. Uh, oh, do it anyway. Uh, do it anyway. I love people getting on Lance. Get on Lance. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, real quick, you know, I know he talks about. You know, I know we talk about inconsistencies with players, and and my biggest my biggest concern is like with Daniel Jones. And one thing Lance says a lot, you know, you know, he says we, he has inconsistencies. He says he needs to do better. He will say it himself. But at what point does those inconsistencies continue to be? bad, bad things. Like, I don't care how many times a player admits to their fault or admits that they need to do better, but if they're not improving, then it's your words are nothing. No, Jamal, right? you're right. And, and to... Yeah, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your point is that what happens when those inconsistencies become consistent, right? And they're happening every right. week and they don't get fixed, right? And that's a fair question. But I don't think after 17 starts we can make that determination quite yet. So my other thing is, so I guess, and and, and Paul, you could probably, you know, you, you, I've heard you say the other day about the um, Bill Parcells rule of, of 30 games. But at what point do we say, hey, Daniel Jones is not our guy? Now, I'm a, I feel bad for young quarterbacks. I said this the other day. I feel bad for young quarterbacks because they don't have a long stretch of, of error. They, they're, they're, the leash for error is very slim nowadays in the NFL. Sure. So if they can't complete 78% of their passes consistently, everybody thinks they're a scrub or a bump. What's the problem with Daniel Jones is he was a sixth pick. And a lot of people think it was a reach, whatever. I, I like the fact that he's athletic. He can move. He can do some things. I just wonder, are we utilizing him the best way we can? Or are we trying to form it into something that he is not? I give you, I give you this real quick as an answer, okay? I still think you've got to get through this whole season and maybe in, into part of next season before you start to really get a good grasp on what he is. And one of the reasons I say that, actually, I'll give you two. I think he was prematurely thrown into the starting lineup last year by the previous head coach, and then he had a, an entire system and coaching change and offensive coordinator change during this offseason. So to me, those were two detour signs that clearly hindered his development or at least gave him a much more difficult time to accelerate his development. So I think anybody who wants to trash Daniel Jones now, to me, is being completely unfair. Right, but the inconsistency part that is happening is the fumbles. I don't care about I understand the throwing and finding your targets. That takes time, especially in a new offense. But the fumbling part, that's the part I think a lot of us are like. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, and remember now, there are different types of fumbles, and if a guy gets whacked from behind on a strip sack, it's more about him quickly processing the play and getting rid of the ball in a hurry so that you reduce the opportunities that a defender is going to have to get you on those blindside hits. Thank you, Jamal. So that's all, the call. So that's part of his learning and education where he's got to get that clock sped up and that will only come with maturity. And John, I think the other thing is too, you I know you 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 watched his fumbles last year like I did. Yep. This year, this year, I have seen him get that ball knocked free when he's had both hands on it. Last year, more often than not, it was when there was one hand on it. I have seen a physical difference in the way he is carrying the ball, and he's holding the ball. And when he gets hit, he makes sure he puts two on it. Now, I but agree. Unfortunately, but unfortunately, it's still come out. Yeah, but now that, that says now, to me he's trying to do something. Right. But the problem, what happens if he has two hands on the ball and it still comes out anyway? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's I, 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 Yeah, that's I know. Worse. I know. And, that, and that's not good. I, I, you're right. 
You're right. But my point is, it's not like he hasn't attempted to right. do something. No, you can tell he's aware of it. Yeah, and it's funny. Like that, that, that sack last week, you know, first of all, he didn't hold the ball very long on that play. Thomas got beat quickly, and Lawrence just got to him. That is true. That was not a situation of him holding the ball too long. That was but not. at the same time, it's not like Lawrence wrapped his arm around Jones and knocked the ball out. He just got hit hard, and the ball came flying out. So, you know— not his fault because he got there really fast. His fault because he probably should have been able to hold on to the ball there. John, I'm not on with you next Thursday when we do the Sim Spotlight. I, I wish I was, but I'm not. Well, remember, remember I, Sims I, only comes on before home games, so he's not on so, for two more weeks. So you're not going to – all right. Well, the next time you have Phil on on a Thursday, I can if make I'm sure not you're with on. you – Do you want me to make sure you're on? I can do that. That would be fine. All right, just uh, put the because, check in the mail, and I'll take care of it for you. Because right? Phil, <laughs> Phil, Phil used to get – the living stuffing kicked out of him earlier in his career by a very porous offensive line. And if and if anybody understands this, Sims was the Giants' all-time leading fumbler until Eli Manning came along and played for 14 straight seasons. So Phil knows what it's like to get pummeled, you know, in the backfield and have to try to hold on to the football. All right, I want to make it would be, it's, we need to address that with him. Okay, so, so we'll do that next time he's on. Let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. We'll wrap us up today. He wants to talk about the, Reds, the Washington game. Charlie, what's going on? <laughs> I caught myself that time. There we go. What's going on, Charlie? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, I just, you know, I know you guys want to run, so I'll just make this quick. That's okay. How about if, uh, how about if they bring Peppers, uh, use him more for pass rushing and instead of bringing in these rookies, maybe they'll utilize him more? You mean in, safety blitz? Yeah, 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 you know, because they need a pass rush. Move him up, you know, let him uh, do some damage that way. Uh, yeah, Charlie, the, prob- the, only, the only problem with that is they've been trying so hard to, to keep those safeties back to prevent big plays that, look, I, I, th- I think it's a good thought. I like Peppers as a pass rusher. I think he's good at it. But it would – you know what, though? This week I think they can because the, the Washington football team – uh, does not have the type of dynamic wide receivers we've seen in past weeks. You know, they have McLaurin, who's great, but nobody else after that really scares you. So maybe they can play a little bit more single high, cover one, and, and use the safeties more in that way Potentially. This week. Potentially. Spags used to like to use safety blitzes when he had the personnel. Yeah. And by the way, Darnay Holmes had yeah. a really nice blitz last week, too. He yeah, trumped, he did. He, Ezekiel Elliott's a good pass protector, Paul. You know that. I and know. Darnay Holmes drove him back into yes, Prescott's he did. lap. It was a very good yes, pass he rush. Did. Yeah, so I just so I'm just thinking, you know, maybe we can utilize him more. And you we, know, remember though, saying, Charlie, too, to do that, you got to make sure yeah. that you have confidence in the rest of your secondary. And for the first yeah, five weeks of the season, they've been playing jigsaw puzzle at one of the corners. Right. Well, the thing is, you know, look, you know, uh, Gallup made some great catches. I mean, he did. You know, and, and Dalton threw a great pass. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of those things where, yeah, they drove it in 48 minutes. 48 seconds, I mean, and, you know, but there were some great plays in that, you know, wide receivers who can make plays, and, we, you know, we don't have many of those except for Slayton once in a while, if he can be more consistent. And the other thing I was going to say about Thomas, Thomas is not going up against real quality pass rushes in practice every day like Tyron Smith was doing. That's true, that's, too. That's what accelerated his game because he was going up against Lawrence, you know, he yeah. doesn't have that. Who is who? Who's who's pushing this guy? No, so Charlie, you're right. You're right. Out, no, you're right. When he got into games this year, those are the best pass rushers he's ever seen before. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So I mean, he hasn't had anybody, you know, that caliber help, you know, getting him ready for that. 
So right, anyway, I, I, that's all I got, guys. You guys uh, take care, and we'll talk to you next week, Bob. Thank you, Charlie. Good stuff. Good call. Yeah, and by, by the way, uh, you know, we keep hearing all the time about Jedrick Wills out in, in Cleveland. Well, look at the pass rushers who are testing him in practice every day. Yeah, you think Miles Garrett's pretty good? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Yeah. And, and Olivier Vernon has done a few things in this league, too, getting to the quarterback. So I, I think he's getting a good workout out there in Cleveland. And Tristan Wirfs, you know who he's facing in practice every day? Yeah. Shaquille Barrett. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. All right, Paul. Just saying. Good stuff, my friend. I appreciate it. Fun times. I know we started two minutes late, so I wanted to give people a little extra time. You're a nice man, John. <laughs> Big Blue Kickoff Live. Well, tell that to my wife. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented <laughs> by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Of course, it's also part of the Giants Podcast Network, which you can find the, on the Giants mobile app on Giants.com slash podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor. Leave a five-star positive review if you like what you hear. And the Giants Podcast Network is brought to you by Investors Bank. For Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. Thank you to Phil Sims and the Sims Spotlight, presented by Bigelow T. We will, T. Bradley, we'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live, everybody. Tomorrow, Friday at noon, final preview of Giants and Washington. We'll see you then. Stay safe.